good morning as we cruise into Christmas. I'm still Andrew Work. Still. Uh, we're here on Money Talk. And in your money today, Carolyn Wright finds out what the world of arbitration can tell us about the health of the business environment here. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In your money today, we're going to take a look at what the world of arbitration can tell us about the health of the business environment here in Hong Kong. I'm joined now by Yi Shun Tio. He's a partner with RPC. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Carolyn, for having me. So first off, can you tell me what you've been seeing here in Hong Kong in terms of the amount of arbitration that's going on? Uh, Carolyn, we've seen actually a, a quite a large increase in the number of cases here uh, in Hong Kong in terms of arbitration. Last year, the HKIC, which is the leading centre here in Hong Kong, had its highest caseload on record, over 350 international arbitration cases. Um, at the same time, a Queen Mary survey in 2021 ranked Hong Kong as third most preferred seat behind London and Singapore. So certainly, Carolyn, I think there's a lot of uh, international arbitrations going on, both seated here and abroad, and also everyone's extremely busy. (laughs) So what would you say is, is driving that rise? Uh, I think, Carolyn, Hong Kong is quite unique in its position here um, uh, in Asia and Greater China. It has very, very good foundation in terms of the law and cert- certain two recent developments, both called interim measures and also in relation to third party funding, has really opened up more opportunities for people to ha- and users to use arbitration. Interim relief is where you can get what's known as freezing injunctions. And Hong Kong is the only seat um, outside of mainland China in which you can still have your arbitration here but obtain interim relief on the mainland. Uh, Third-party funding here in Hong Kong traditionally has been prohibited, um, partly because uh, it's a general doctrine that that prevents lawyers from being funded from third parties. However, allowing this for arbitration has allowed um, parties who had genuine claims but didn't have enough money to now be able to be supported. So it's improved access to justice here in Hong Kong. So it's a pretty unique role that the city is playing, it sounds like. A very unique role, and probably this highlights the distinction of one country, two systems, and this unique place that Hong Kong has. So what do you think this helps tell us about the environment for business here, that there is this level of arbitration going on in the city? Yes, Carol, I think what it reflects is probably a vibrant business community. And what you can see is commercial parties here are still doing business in Greater China and signing large commercial contracts which need a dispute resolution provision. Uh, Sophisticated parties still need to find a way of resolving their disputes in a um, professional and commercial way. And I think these large increase in cases show that Hong Kong still remains a key international financial centre here in Asia. Now, now there isn't just some things going on like people are are getting more like they're having arguments between one another and and there's just generally more arbitration, just as a a side question. Uh, Oh, yes, that's true. Carolyn, sometimes it, it reflects uh, the business environment as well. And so um, sometimes uh, disputes uh, generally rise when the markets are going through sl- slight uh, uncertainty. But that, that's, that's common and, and, and it goes through cycles. So we're just in a particular phase at the moment in business. So it, it's just like the, the economy, you know, similar things. Everything goes in cycles that way. So there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> 
So how important do you think it is that, that Hong Kong holds this position as this the dispute resolution centre that you've talked about for, for the future of the city, you know, because there's, there's so much of a, an initiative from the government to promote the city as retaining it, its status as a, an international hub. Yeah. And how fundamental is this arbitration centre part of that? Uh, I think it's uh, critical, uh, Carolyn, and you, we saw the Secretary of Justice uh, for Hong Kong uh, outline that he's committed to uh, maintaining this status of Hong Kong as a global dispute resolution centre. We've seen get the Belt and Road Forum in Beijing, President Xi Jinping uh, celebrating his 10th year of his signature foreign policy. And a lot of these um, major deals require a dispute resolution centre and Hong Kong is critical to play a pivotal role in that. We still remain the only common law jurisdiction out, uh, within mainland China that still has um, uh, that kind of uh, uh, common law system of law and at the same time we still have a fiercely independent judiciary and bar and so that I think will give international businesses confidence of uh, having their disputes resolved here in Hong Kong. Now moving on to something kind of completely different but also something that we've not been able to get away with all year here on Money Talk is the rise of AI and I'd love if you could explain to me how AI technology is being used within the, the world of arbitration? Um, AI has certainly improved, I think, cost efficiencies and certainly for certain tasks that around administrative tasks, an, uh, an AI uh, chatbot program almost can act as a tribunal secretary, so someone that will be able to uh, index, uh, collate documents at a, at a much faster rate. However, um, there is um, always important to have caution when using AI, uh, partly because uh, the role of an arbitrator still has to have um, make independent judgment and decision making. And that's something that should not be delegated to a computer program. Don't forget a lot of the software like ChatGBT often suffers from hallucinations. And we have had seen cases in the United States where a lawyer cited cases from ChatBDT that turned out to be fabricated. And so uh, as long as um, arbitrators are open, they make disclosures about the use and limit the use and make sure that they still come with making independent uh, decisions. Um, we think AI could be very useful to help. And, and, and do you think it also helps uh, those who are working in the profession? Because I get the feeling that, you know, the more junior lawyers, they have to do all of this, like kind of nuts and bolts of getting all the documentation together. And I feel that this is where AI can really win out and help them develop in their more, you know, serious legal skills, as it were. Uh, that's true, Carol. I think it's a value added proposition. It allows junior uh, lawyers to focus on the more... Uh, a critical complex task rather but I remember back in the day I used to paginate numbers <laughs> using a hard copy stamp and so uh, for exhibits so um, I, I'm hopefully this will be a positive development for both uh, training junior lawyers as well. <laughs> I guess you don't miss those days. I do not miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> well it's been really interesting to be able to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's Yishun Tio who is a partner with RPC just shedding a bit of light on what's happening around the arbitration world here in Hong Kong. Thank you, Carolyn.